Well, good morning. I have it at 31 minutes past, so punctuality is the privilege of princes, right? So let's start, and uh, welcome to the last Sunday school of the year. So um, it's good to be here, and it's good to be back, and I thank you for your prayers uh, during this time. So Christian worship is our theme, and just as a reminder, the book we're studying is Jonathan Lordy Cruz's book, What Happens When We Worship, and whatever chapter we're on, this is really the question that we'll be answering all the way through to revise and reset our thinking about Christian worship and to understand what is going on when we worship. It's not just a gathering. It's not just us sitting here, listening, watching, singing, praying, going home. There is something else going on when we worship and God is at work and we've already talked about this a little bit. If you're reading along in the book, uh, which you don't need to, but uh, be of benefit to you. You may want to read it afterwards. Um, what happens when we worship? We started last, uh, last lesson with the section he calls Theology of Worship, which is really a, a, not a very comprehensive, just basic theology of worship uh, for the purpose of this study. There's six chapters of the Theology of Worship, and last time we looked at the first chapter or the first part there, worship is the most important thing you will ever do. That's what we considered last week. Uh, man was created to worship God, and secondly, we considered worship on earth is preparation for eternity, and that alone should give us a different and new perspective about Christian worship and the gathering of corporate worship on the Lord's Day. So today, the second chapter he has on, on this theology of worship uh, is to consider, uh, to consider what happens when we worship, and the main heading, or the point that we want to drive across and understand today, is that we are being shaped. We are being shaped by God when we come and worship. And once again, Jonathan Cruz makes the point that something literally is happening when we worship. And in this case, the point is that we are being shaped. Even as we sit here, we might not feel it. In fact, most of us will not feel it. Uh, and, and we will leave this place not really knowing and understanding, but we are being shaped. Something is happening. And he says, this is true by the mere act of worship. No matter what the object of worship may be, we are being shaped. And when the object of worship is worthy, like namely the living God, then we are training ourselves, we are being shaped for something good to prepare for the ultimate end of eternally worshiping our Maker. And as we observed that last time, in the same way, a poor object of worship results in poor practice. When we worship anything other than God, we are training ourselves for something quite bad, preparing to meet that same maker, only this time for eternal judgment. So either you worship the true and living God, which has a wonderful end, or you worship whatever else it may be. And you're also preparing yourself to a very bad end, to face your maker and judgment there. If you fall into the habit of going to the gym 
and working out, and I know some of you do, something is happening because of that habit that you have formed. You may not feel it, you just feel really tired when you come back from the gym, but something is happening. Your body is being shaped. You are toning your muscles and developing them. But that doesn't happen when you just go to the gym once or twice, once a week, once a month. You need to be added regularly for that change to take place. And you see where that is going. When we come and worship regularly, God is shaping us and he is changing us and he is forming us. We are being shaped when we worship. So what I want to do is try and summarize this chapter uh, for you under just two of Cruz's points. So uh, it's not a good idea to follow along while, while, I'm, uh, while I'm speaking because you'll battle to find your place. I'm all over there, but I'm trying to give a summary of that. So just two considerations when we think about the fact that we are being shaped when we worship. And that's the point I want to stick in our minds and stay with us. And firstly, Cruz maintains we become like what we worship. Think about that. We become like what we worship. And he makes the point that this is the case whatever we worship. We become like what we worship. And the world, it is quite scary actually, how many things beckon us to worship them in the world, whether it's lust and pleasure or money or whatever it may be. And when we do worship those things, we too are being shaped. And Cruz says the point is we become like what we worship. So, for example, uh, today this is pretty relevant with social media, all that kind of thing. There's the entertainment culture that says we need to be preoccupied and amused every second of the day. This is the good life. And if you're totally obsessed with that, you will become what you worship. And you will be one of those entertainment freaks or whatever you want to call them. The fashion world, ladies, says that how you dress and how you look is the ultimate. This is the good life. Look at the cover of so many buzz and all strange magazines to see that the perfect purse. Now I must rush out and buy the right purse because so-and-so is wearing that purse. This is the good life. You become what you worship. The business end of things tells us that you work, your work, money, success, power, and influence are all that matter. Accumulating things and business and investments and growing your wealth, this is the good life. And when we start to worship these things, what do we do? We order our whole lives around these things there's a vicious cycle here, of course. The more we order our lives around things that we want, the more we form habits. And when habits take control, we crave even more. And there's never enough. The habits that we set for ourselves train us to love with even deeper ardor and desire. We will be changed and transformed and shaped into whatever it is what we find of utmost importance in this life. 
You get obsessed with something, whatever it is, a story on the news or fashion or money or investments or whatever that may be, this we will find will become of utmost importance in this life. So the question we need to ask when we come to worship is what are our ultimate desires? Fame, sex and pleasure, family, health? If we worship it, we will become like it. And Cruz maintains that this is what the Bible teaches. And you may think, where, where does the Bible teach that you're going to become like what you worship? Well, there are two passages of Scripture um, that use nearly the same language. Psalm 135 and Psalm 115, which use, as I said, nearly the same language. We'll just read Psalm 135 and, and some, a few verses there. You needn't turn to that. You can, if you like, Psalm 135, verse 15 to 18. And the psalmist is talking about idols in the context of you become what you worship. The idols of the nations and silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have ears but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. You become what you worship. Makes the point that this is a very important point, a very important text to consider when studying the topic of worship. And the Lord condemns all the idolatrous worship of the pagan nations by basically making one argument. It makes no sense to worship something you yourself have made. That is the mockery of the psalmist of the idols and idol worship. It makes no sense to worship something you yourself have made. Why worship and bow down to something made of wood or stone that can't speak or hear? Essentially, why bow down and worship anything other than the true and living God? And of course, we do not bow down to idols and things like that, but we have so many idols of the heart. And what happens here when people worship idols and we worship anything but the true and living God is what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1. And you know those verses so well. And verse 25 says, Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. And God's condemnation against these idols is just this, that they are dumb, lifeless, stupid creatures. That's what the Lord's condemnation basically. There is no worth in them, and those who worship them become like them. There is no worth in them. They have become what we behold. And in the case of those who behold idols, it's not a good thing. You become like the idol, dumb and stupid and lifeless. And we see as much in, in Isaiah 42 Verse 18 to 20, Hear you deaf and look you blind that you might see. Who is blind but my servant or death or my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one or blind as a servant of the Lord? He sees many things but does not observe them. His ears are open but he does not hear. This is all in the context of the mockery of worshipping idols. This is exactly... Cruz's point, what worship does, 
it shapes us. It takes what we love and trains us how to love it more. Worship trains and transforms. Worship does something to us. Well, Cruz then gives us two examples, instances in the scriptures where we're given contrasting examples of how this plays out negatively or positively. And these are two very well-known instances. And the first is Exodus 32 and 33, which is the case of the golden calf when Moses went up the mountain. The Lord was giving to him the covenant of the law of God, and the people were down to the bottom of the mountain waiting. And what happened there? The people at the base of the mountain became impatient. And they prove what we discussed last time, the innate desire of man to worship something. And they were waiting on God and for his covenant uh, commands to him. Becoming impatient, they go to Aaron, and Aaron panics, and he makes this golden calf for them. And then the Lord tells Moses on the mountain, what is going on down there? This people are worshipping a calf while I'm giving you my covenantal law. And this is how God rebukes his people as he speaks to Moses. Listen to verse 7 to 9 of Exodus 32. The Lord says to Moses, go down for your people whom I brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They've made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. So what was the Lord saying? Lord saying, those who worship the idol become like them. They are stiff-necked like an ox that easily goes out of the way. A calf, stiff-necked. They were becoming like bulls and calves and cows for worshiping this idol. And then we see in contrast, that's negatively how it plays out. In contrast, Moses goes back up to the mountain to speak to God. While the people are transformed into dumb, lifeless, stupid creatures like an ox, like a golden calf, Moses is also transformed, but not into a dumb calf. As he worships the one who is true and honorable and glorious, he is transformed to reflect that same glory, the glory of God. Exodus 34 verse 29 when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the Testament in his hand, this is the second time, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking to God. And Moses, worshipping God, was becoming like God. He was being transformed. And that's Cruz's point. When we worship God, we are being shaped. The Israelites are depicted as becoming like their idols, Moses becoming like his God. That's what happens when we worship. God is changing us and shaping us. There's a second example which illustrates the point just as well, and that's Isaiah 6. Also a very well-known portion of Scripture when 
Isaiah is in the temple and he sees this magnificent vision of God seated on his throne in all his glory, the vision of the Lord. And what happens? He's undone. He's undone. He falls on his face. I'm going to die. I, I am unworthy. I am undone. I have seen the Lord, the Lord, the God, the Lord of hosts. He falls down to worship. What happens? God changes him. God shapes him. And he becomes like the one he worships. Listen to Isaiah 6, verse, uh, verse 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal he'd taken out of the altar. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. In contrast, as God has changed him to become more like him, removes his sin, he sends him on a mission to a sinful, blind, deaf, and mute people for their idolatry. That's his first job. As God is shaping him and changing him, removing his guilt, and he's becoming more like the one he worships, the Lord sends him to idolaters, the people of Israel, Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. And he said, go to this people and say, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, they blind their eyes, lest they see with the eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts, be turned and be healed. They were becoming blind and deaf and dumb, just like the idols. Once again, the Israelites depicted as becoming like the idols, Isaiah becoming like his God. We become like what we worship. The second point, the second last thing we observe, as God is shaping us, which is our main point, God is shaping us when we worship. And we need to, because we cannot feel this, we cannot feel our gradual sanctification. In fact, as our sanctification increases, as we come closer to Christ, as we understand and love Christ more, we don't feel good. We feel that we are more unworthy. But what is happening? God is shaping us. And that's what happens when we worship. That's Cruz's point. That's Cruz's point. But we have to keep at it, like going to the gym. You're not going to fill out and and tone your muscles and increase your strength. If you go to gym once a month, you've got to keep at it all the time. We become like what we worship. So the second last thing we observe as God is shaping us in worship, if this is the case, if what is going on in worship is shaping us and God is shaping us, what goes on in worship suddenly becomes a lot more important. And in the 21st century, unfortunately, for the most part, anything goes. I attended a service in Cape Town when we were there, and my old roommate used to be the rector of that church. It's, it's quite a big church, holds about 2,000 Church of England in South Africa, Westminster Confession. But their worship was no different to the world. They sang a bit and swayed a bit and music a bit. The preaching was good, but they are being shaped. And 
the elements of their worship, if they are absent, the good elements, they can't really be shaped properly, can they? And, and that's just one example of many. So the power of liturgy. So what do you think of when you hear the term liturgy? And is our church liturgical? Well, Cruz says this, we, we may think, and the first thing I thought, I thought of liturgy is like robes, candles, kneelers, that's what he says, bells and smells and whistles, very formal, this is liturgy. But liturgy comes from two Greek words, he informs us, the one is laos, which is people, the Greek word for people. The other is work, which is ergon, the work of the people or a public service. That's what liturgy is. That is what we do when we come to worship, the work of the people. Do you come just to sit and observe, participate? It's the work of the people. And so he makes the point, at its most basic, liturgy refers to the order of the corporate worship service. And then he says, every, because of this, every church is liturgical. When a church says they are not liturgical, and I must admit, if someone asked me is your church, if your church is liturgical, I would have hesitated. <laughs> because you're thinking of high, high Anglican church or Roman Catholic church. But when a church says they're not liturgical, they normally mean that they do not follow an historic pattern of liturgy, which Cruz says is not the same thing at all. Or they may mean that they do not take the order of worship very seriously. And everything goes mentality in the world. Anything goes. You want to do some drama, you want to do some death, and anything goes. But whatever goes is still liturgy, even if it's not the same every week. If there's a few prayers or half an hour singing, a 10-minute sermonette or moral lesson at the end, that is their liturgy, so they cannot actually say they do not have a liturgy. And a church that claims to be liturgical or highly liturgical simply means this, that they have thought very carefully about the order of worship and care about the elements of worship much more. Do you see Cruz's point? The power of liturgy. What you do in church and how you do what you do in church. The point is, God is shaping us in worship. Then our liturgy becomes very important. And we need to pay close attention to the prescribed elements that God has given us in worship. Because if God is shaping us in our worship, how can he do that when none of our worship elements from the scripture are even in our service? We just want to do something new. We just want to be seeker-friendly. Let's have a coffee bar, people singing, children swinging, and just talking. We don't want to make the world feel uncomfortable. How can you be shaped in your worship? It's so liturgy. What we do in our worship, how we do it, and the elements of our worship suddenly become very important. This is the power of liturgy. If we use illegitimate means or incorrect means or have an anything-goes approach, we will not be shaped correctly. We will not be worshipping in spirit and in truth. 
therefore the relative principle of worship which we follow in our Reformed Baptist churches. In, in other words, what is important to recognize is the way a liturgy is shaped will determine how we are shaped. The way a liturgy is shaped will determine how we are shaped. As we have seen, worship is a very formative thing. So we need to ask the question, is the worship that we participate in on a regular basis forming us in the right ways, for the right reason, into the right people? And brothers and sisters and friends, students here, in choosing a church, this must be a very important consideration because it is in church, it is in our worship, in spirit and in truth, that God is shaping us. But if the elements of true worship as prescribed in the scriptures are not present, what are we being shaped into? The power of liturgy. This is what happens when we worship. When we come to be reformed, to be reshaped, to be remade, Worship, I quote, is the workshop where we are transformed into God's image. When we are thus transformed into His image, we then reflect His glory. Like Moses and like Isaiah, we come to worship to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And how we do do that, to worship Him in spirit and in truth, in the prayers, prayers of petition and prayers of confession, Prayers of declaration of the forgiveness of our sins, the reading of the Word of God, the very inspired, perfect Word of God, the preaching of the Word, the Lord's Supper, the baptism, breaking of bread, all of these things. We have a hard time remembering that this refining work is going on during our Sunday services. I bet every single one of you at one time had been guilty of thinking, sitting here for two to three hours on a Sunday, it just seems like a bit of a waste of two or three hours of my weekend. Well, we wouldn't likely make that complaint if we made regular trips to the gym. Regular habitual exercise produces visible results, loss of weight, toned muscles, include increased endurance but even if we can't see them the same thing is happening in worship we lose the weight of sin we are toned and sharpened in our understanding of worship and understanding of the living word of god and we granted endurance to run the christian life of faith we are being shaped it's up to us it's up to us to make the most of the means of grace that God has given us and to pay attention to liturgy and to remember, even though we can't see it or feel it, that God is shaping us. And in our daily lives as we go out into the week, we will reflect, we will be conformed more into the image of His Son and our spouses and our children and our workmates will see Wow, not literally shining, but we are being conformed. We are being shaped. The fruit of the Spirit is alive and active in our lives. Consider then, brothers and sisters, the Sabbath day. It's not okay. 
to miss it for a week, because that's two weeks. That's two weeks. You do that when you're going gym. Well, I walk most days or cycle or something, and when I go away, I normally lose out. My first walk after that is, wow, it is really hard. And, I, and I'm not strong enough. I'm not up to everything that I need to do. And so it is when we're being shaped. It is exercise that we must continue at. Corporate worship is where we are conformed to mature manhood. Ephesians 4 and verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Something happens when we worship. To conclude, this is what we're pursuing. This is what we are pursuing in our worship services. A liturgy that is rooted in God's story of redemption. Simultaneously forming within us a desire for the true good life and conforming us to attain it. The gospel is not merely a message to be heard, but it is a life to be lived. Worship should be a time that we are led in that lifestyle. Seeking to know Jesus more intimately means engaging in practices that will help us see all the ways in which he is true and good and beautiful. These are the kind of habits that true worship should form within us. And Michael Horton writes, whatever fills our Sundays fills our hearts throughout the week. Why? Because God is shaping us and conforming us. I have a passage here, and you can go and read it when you get home, 2 Corinthians 3, 12 to 18, but let me just read verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, <coughs> excuse me, are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. We become what we worship. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What happens when we worship? We are being shaped. Do our services of worship shape us to be more like the cre Creator or like creation? Are we being fashioned for earth or heaven? Do we walk away from the worship services, says, looking more like dust or more like glory? Here's a wonderful hymn, uh, Charles Wesley's hymn, and I read this as we close. I'm dead on time, yeah. Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Something happens when we worship. Thank you for your attention. Let's close in a moment of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for instruction from your precious word. We thank you for men who have written great books to assist us to understand topics like worship. We thank you for your word, which speaks to all of these things. And even as we come to worship this morning and afternoon, oh, Father, help us to be excited to say this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, for our God is going to shape us. 
our Lord Jesus Christ is going to conform us in this day through the means of grace into his own image from a greater degree of glory to the next. Lord, be with us. Help us in our worship to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray these things in Christ's name with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you for your attention. And that was the last Sunday school until, what's the date? George is a fountain of knowledge. February 4th, next Sunday school. Thank you.